Hello. Hello. Welcome to Terror Talk, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> we are going to talk about six movies we'd never watch again. And, you know, you and I have uh, some different reasons why we would never watch these. I know that when we talked before we started recording today, we had said that most of these were because they're either really disturbing or almost done too well. Right. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted to bring a little humor mm. into the show by taking a different angle on this with our horror facts today, okay. which is going to be a separate category of movies we'd never watch again called trashy facts with cat <laughs> that have a very different reason. Yeah. About maybe why we wouldn't watch or we would watch them, but they're trashy and have a cult following, which also makes it fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I can say that there was a few different ways we could have approached this, right? Because it's like movies I'll never watch again because they were so awful. But I would rather do an episode that's like the worst movies I've ever seen kind of episode yeah. instead of like movies I wouldn't watch again, which are kind of like different. Well, right? the trashy facts with Kath really doesn't even imply that I wouldn't watch it again. But they're pretty trashy, and some people <laughs> might go, "Why are those? That's an hour and a half of my life I'll never get back." No, for sure. I mean, I mean, a lot of people. Yeah. The trash, you know, the raccoons in us, the trash, trash mongers, pandas. Yeah. Uh, that like to watch trash are. We're out there, but it's certainly not the general public. No, and you and I have had many <laughs> episodes in previous seasons where. Either myself or Shannon will say, hey, maybe we should do an episode on this. And then one of us will go, I don't want to watch that again. <laughs> don't make me see. And not because a movie is bad. It's actually done so well that it's so disturbing or so terrifying that you don't ever want to put yourself through it again. I, I totally get it. It's like so effective. The movie is so yeah, good. The and actors think, are great. Absolutely. And I think a, a, an upcoming example of that is that I scheduled us to do an Ari Aster episode. <sighs> God damn it. How close are we to that? And so Kathy is upset. Well, I mean, I love him, but again. Yeah, you got to watch like Midsommar mm. and Hereditary and all of that. But, you know, just the one last time. Okay. <laughs> Or you could fake it, not watch them at all. Fake I mean, it till it, you make it. Probably not, just because, you know, your trauma had you probably tap out in, in moments of the film. Dissociation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway, back to our topic today. Let's do our facts first. Okay. Let's go with facts. And then for those of you who may just be tuning in at the end of the show, we will get the answers. Some the people facts. just join the show for the facts. I know that for a fact. Oh, okay. <laughs> delusion <laughs> i mean of grandeur delusions get us through sometimes 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 it saves our lives you can play the damn song or what i mean no no <laughs> trash your facts with pale I mean, the delusion includes a song. Yeah. So. <laughs> Let's see if I can read my handwriting. Ready? Number one. <laughs> this 80s horror film, initially titled Shopping Center, was filmed here at the Sherman Oaks Galleria. It starred a young Barbara Crampton. Aw. I love the bass. I love her, too. 
Number two. <laughs> I love this one. People in the accounting and legal department of this horror cult classic dismissed it as, quote, being a complete fa failure that will die a quick death, end quote. <laughs> the composer of the film, John Massari, said, well, you don't get it. There are people who will love this movie. A sequel has been in development for three decades. <laughs> Speaking of delusion. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Number three. Many actresses of this film declined roles in this movie out of disgust. <laughs> the film has served controversy with a dedicated fan base. Mm, oh boy. Oh God, this is so good. This number, this number four. In this movie, the plot centers on a demon-possessed bed that is passed on through generations, bringing tragedy upon those who come across it. <laughs> yeah. And then lastly... God, where do I find these? <laughs> the plot, this plot revolves around a German hermit who has the ability to communicate with worms. <laughs> After the mayor of the town runs him off his property, he plants worms in everybody's food as revenge. <laughs> these are a special breed of mutant worms <laughs> so when so when people eat them they are transformed into giant worms themselves well, I, I really have to see this movie <laughs> agreed i don't even know why i'm writing down these questions i, know, I don't later know because just i'm like, not gonna know any uh, of what the is this i just kind of want to remember i guess i don't know <sighs> meaningless <laughs> all right let's talk movies shall we i thought we just did no the end <laughs> <laughs> we're done no all right so i'll start with one of my movies how about that okay i can listen to you for a minute <laughs> Delusion. Uh, okay so the first movie that i chose is from 1986 and the other two movies that i personally chose are actually really recent okay so we have done an episode on this movie and it was one of those ones early on where it was difficult. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. <sighs> 1986. Only 83 minutes long, mind you. And r these days you can get it sort of free with ads on like Peacock and Tubi and Roku. I know that as of this recording, that's where it's available unless you own it or something. Here's the thing about this movie. It's really accurate. So uh, arriving in Chicago, Henry moves in with his ex-con acquaintance Otis and starts schooling him in the ways oh, of being Otis. a serial killer. And that is really what happens. You know, not a lot happens in this movie, except the guy moves in with the other guy and then they enact violence. And there's lots of really well acted scenes that are 
quiet and menacing. And then there are other scenes that are violent in only the 70s and 80s kind of way that are long and drawn out and realistic. And it's really disturbing. If you haven't seen it and you have a particular penchant for seeing anything that has psychopathy represented in it, it's an excellent one for that. And that's that's why we originally did an episode on it. It's based on true story, too. It's based on a true yeah. story. We were starting to do episodes on serial killers. We were starting to do episodes specifically on psychopathy represented in TV and movies, which is kind of a cottage industry of ours. And so, you know, of course we included this. And uh, I can say like of course i would watch it for professional reasons if i needed to if i was teaching from it if if uh, there was some reason why we needed to do it again sure but am i going to choose to sit down and watch that movie no yes if you want a lighter um narrative to the story and you just want to have some fun with it I talked about this podcast when we did our episode on podcasts that we follow. Mm-hmm. The podcast Ruined does a really great episode on this movie. Mm-hmm. And they bring a lot of humor to it, which makes it... Which we did not. <laughs> which we didn't. And there really is, you know, it's very, very dark gallows humor, but they do a really good job doing this which film. It, I mean, it's which, uh, uh, Ruined. 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 Yeah. Um, and so if, if you've never listened to this podcast before, one of them talks about the film, the other one hasn't seen it. And then she asks, well, what do you think happens? Right. And she's like, well, I think this happens and this happens. She's like, actually, you're right. Or no, that's totally wrong. And then, so they call it ruined because they ruin the ending of it, Got it. but they'll, they, they do a really fun episode on this and they're spot on but the way that they talk about the two of them and then like here comes fucking otis with his blah 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 you know what i mean yeah 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 yeah. our sense of humor at that point was not (laughs) it was dead we were we were being we weren't being completely ourselves again you know the first couple years you do something you're working it out yeah i don't know that i just think we weren't that funny at that time (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was my fault uh that's another thing too though I don't think either one of us finds that movie like in any way to be funny. It's fucking gross. Well, and I and I think that the way that podcast is structured, which I think is phenomenal and inspired, is that you can get more humor out of like their the thing that they're doing, the yeah. gimmick that they have, yeah. which is awesome. And so with a gimmick of like you watching a movie and me having watched it and then me kind of leading you through, that's where the humor is. Oh my it's God. not so much the movie. No, and, <laughs> and, and let me, yeah, let me clarify. They don't find the movie funny. Right. But their delivery of Got it. how absurd and awful it is. Yes. And I can't believe this happened and then this happened and the way that they're, they're talking about the characters, I laughed awesome. a lot. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that... Uh, one of the most disturbing movies I've ever seen that I will um, never watch again is The Last House on the Left, but the OG, 1972. Absolutely. Oh, God. Okay, not only is it film documentary style, so you actually feel like you are uh, watching live, real, this is like legit found footage back before the found footage thing became a thing. (laughs) It was one of Wes Craven, it's his directorial debut, actually. 
He based it on a on an old Swedish film called The Virgin Spring, <laughs> directed okay. by Ingmar Bergman, like way you know back in the day. And so he he actually had originally written this film as a hardcore porn, but then in the last, like at the last moment decided to rewrite it as a violent horror film. Mm -hmm. And we know in horror that there's, and this is where it also gets a lot of uh, bad press is that there's such a fine line between sex and violence. But this one did it in a way that there's no real escapism. It just feels like you are watching a live feed of two women getting raped, tortured and humiliated for two hours. Yeah, I have seen that movie and I'll never watch it again. It's it's definitely on my list as well, you know, if I was to extend the list past three today. And and I think it goes in some ways with the um, Henry Portrait of a Serial yeah. Killer because it's got that vibe of like realistic. It's too realistic. As if it's, and these long extended moments, you know, a lot of what contemporary cinema does is cut away. It's very fast editing and you're going you're through right. things. So when there's a rape or something, uh, you know, with a child, something that's very disturbing to most people, there's cutaways, there's off screen, it's there's more implied. sound. Yeah. And uh, yeah, these movies didn't do that. Yeah. Like when you watch the rape scene in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, it's not fun to watch, but... She gets her revenge. There, there's an, an out for the audience. It doesn't last too long compared, right. at least, I mean, no rape scene is fun to watch, but comparatively, yeah. where you're spot on, it's that, that like there's a scene where he asks the girls to just urinate on themselves mm-hmm. and he stands there until mm-hmm. they do it and you have to watch them. And I was reading something once where this film was made in such a method way that one of the, the guys who ends up raping actually said to Wes Craven, would it be okay if I actually raped her in the scene? Jesus Christ. Like we're going to make this real. I'm actually going to have sex with her. I'm going to force her against her will and I'm going to rape her. Like this was a conversation on set. Yeah. Well, he said he was originally going to make it a porn, but that would have implied still consensual. Yeah. If they're above over age, like if they're they're consenting age, So this would have been like, I'm not telling her that I'm actually going to do this. Can I just rape her so we can get a real reaction? Good Lord. So this is 1972, folks. It was redone again in 2001. I didn't bother watching it because the original was too much and 2001 is just going to be a softer version. It's like, what's the point of any of it? And I am someone who will go above and beyond to watch some of the most absurd horror films. It's very hard for me to be offended when things have a a real plot but to just watch two hours of women getting tortured and raped and humiliated and i love wes craven yeah but this uh uh-uh yeah nope i'm good yeah and again like i believe in seeing things that are have historical presence and this movie absolutely had historical presence not for particularly positive reasons in light of this conversation. So I watched it and yeah, I'm good. If you look at all the press around it, all of the movie posters looked like newspaper findings of homicide and torture. So like there's a, the movie poster is in black and white. It looks like a newspaper. She's tied up against a pole and she's unconscious. And it says it rests on 13 acres of earth 
over the very center of hell. Mari, 17, is dying. Even for her, the worst is yet to come. I mean, even the posters are so grotesque. Well, and also, if you listen to, like, Sean Cunningham, the producer who ultimately did a, a lot, you know, Freddie and Jason yeah. and Jason and, and all those movies and all the house movies, house one, two, three, four. It, when you hear him talk about it, it's like it was all a marketing thing. Oh, my God. The movie was literally just a marketing ploy. And then it went down in history as this really disturbing thing. Ugh. So it Gross. worked. It did work. <laughs> the marketing worked. We're going to jump forward to 2019. Now, this is a movie that I think is a really good movie. And if you like dystopian thrillers that have a sci-fi bent, it's a very solid flick. I just never need to watch it again because I was disturbed. I thought it was very effective it's called The Platform. I've not seen this. So currently this movie is on Netflix and it may not be as disturbing to others as it is to me, but it's a really good movie. So it's in the future. It's dystopian, obviously. Prisoners are housed in these vertical cells. So it's like a imagine a big cement building. And you are, as a prisoner, housed in a cell that is just sort of one level of that long, like, cylindrical building. And there's upper cells and there's lower cells, right? So you'd be above and below people. And in the upper cells, they are fed. So the food, there's a big hole in the middle of the cylinder, cement, cylinder and the food starts at the top and so me and Kathy let's say we're at the top and the food comes to us you know in the morning or whatever and it it lands and we get out and there's two people on each level and it lands and we get and we eat right and it's there for a while and then there's a time period and it leaves and it goes to the next level the next level and as you can imagine by the time it gets to the lower levels there's not a lot of food on there. And you can also imagine what might happen as that as it gets to lower and lower. And so if you are on the lower cells, you actually kind of never get any food. I'm looking at some pictures from this film, and it is very disturbing. Yes. And so the way the drama unfolds, that's the basic, you know, that's kind of what's happening and then the drama of this, of course, is the different people on the different levels, what happens to this one main character and how he decides to handle things. And obviously, it's, it ends. The original language of this film is Spanish. It's from Spain. And critics can be whatever. They go back and forth. But for me, it, it was a very disturbing film and talked a lot about class systems and like how did they decide who was on the bottom and who was on the top? How, how do you get out of something like this? And, and what the different characters decide to do is very interesting. Of course there's murder <laughs> because think about it. You can, a person can travel on the food, right? It's literally just a, 
like an elevator that goes up and down. So different things happen along the way. And I think it's a really interesting film. And if you haven't checked it out, like, like, you know, Kathy's saying she, she hasn't checked it out. I would definitely encourage people to check it out. Just, uh, be in a mood, like no, it's not like last house on the left where, you know, it's not like it's that. It's a different it's type a contemporary of torment. Movie. Yeah, and it's a, I think it's just a different type of psychological. It's it, psychological. And social sure. commentary, right, yes. on, on yes. classism and all that. Yeah. yeah. Mm, it sounds really disturbing, but fascinating at the same time. The next one I have is from 1970, was released in 78, I think it, depending on when you look it up, it might be 77, is David Lynch's Eraserhead. Mm. I love David Lynch. I watched this movie, Jack... Jack Nance and Charlotte Stewart are just so phenomenal in this movie. Another reason why I think it was so hard to watch is because it was so incredibly believable. So Harry Spencer, the character of Harry Spencer, tries to survive his industrial environment, his angry girlfriend, and the unbearable screams of his newly born mutant child. Also a social commentary on having children out of wedlock and the the curse on you if you don't go about things the right way mm-hmm. in life the movie's all done in black and white and jack nance the who played her henry spencer when they were filming this movie actually lived in this like dilapidated apartment that they shoot the scenes in just to really get into the character which is incredibly depressing um he ends up getting this girl pregnant who i don't think he knows all that well he they end up having this baby who it just like breaks your heart because this baby is so uncomfortable and looks, it looks like an alien Mm -hmm. and it's wrapped and it just screams all the time Uh. and he cannot comfort this child that he now is keeping in this apartment that he can't show to anybody because it's so deformed. And then on top of that, like he, you know, he goes to dinner with, the girlfriend to her family's and her family's house is just like a whole other fucking planet of fuckness. And they are, (laughs) it's so, it's so disgusting. And they're pressuring them to get married. Like you've now had this child out of wedlock, right? You need to go do this shit. There's very little dialogue in this film. It's very minimal. Um, There's more music and nonverbals. It is one of the most depressing films I've ever seen. People swear by this movie, right? Like you watch this movie in film school. I took film classes in undergrad and you watch this movie and you write about it and you talk about it and you talk about all about it. And it's like, no, I don't. I I have so much empathy for this poor newborn that looks more like an animal Mm -hmm. and the suffering and how he's just trying to nurture it quiet and, it's just screaming, but not like you hear a, a baby scream. It, it's almost like an alien, like squealing. I know. And it just looks like it is on its deathbed. And it's just like, oh, it's my awful. God, make it stop. It's awful. And then he just having to essentially give up his life to try to take care of all of this stuff. And he's very poor. Oh God. It's one of those movies. that just like, this just ripped my heart out and I'm yeah. good. I don't need to do this again. Yeah. Yeah. The, a lot of the movies along the way that, you know, if we were to do a massive list or do another episode like this, it's like some of them are because they just rip your heart out. Yeah. It's like, and I, 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 I'm all right. <laughs> I can watch Mulholland drive and twin peaks over and over and over. This movie is like oh, really heart wrenching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Understood. The last movie I'm going to talk about today is The Sadness. <laughs> oh, God, that's a good one. A good one for this list, I mean. Right. From 2021, critics gave it really good reviews, and, you know, I watched it on purpose. <laughs> I think people watching it didn't like it as much. They didn't think it was that great. But so the city of Taipei suddenly erupts into bloody chaos as ordinary people are compulsively driven to enact the most cruel and ghastly things they can imagine. So you can understand, like if we all drank the water and the water decided that what it was going to do to all of us was to be our most cruel selves and be completely primitive, murder, torture, mutilation are kind of just the beginning in this. It's like, depravity, violence, insanity. Mm. It's it's total chaos, no civility, no order. So if we all went that direction, what would happen? We would destroy each other. And that's what happens in this movie. The original language is is Chinese actually, but it's and it's set in Taipei. And I think one of the reasons why I wouldn't watch this movie again is it's not that it's a bad movie. It's a very effective movie. And there is a lot of blood and gore. And if you are interested in seeing all the things, I would recommend you see it. But it's very grim. It's very overall, it's very effective. And it is a dystopian horror. But there are moments in this movie that go beyond any like what I would ever want to witness again. And there's a couple of moments in this movie that I don't know if like rip my heart out is, is the way to go. Cause it's not emotional. Like what Kathy was talking about. It's more like very much. You have to sit with the shadow of all of society in that movie. And it's very, very effective and like I said, I think there's only, there's one moment I remember distinctly, which I will not describe, and, and but I can think there's like two or three moments in it where it's like, yeah, I know that we are all capable of that given the circumstances in this movie and maybe not even given those circumstances, but that is not something that I need to be reminded of on the regular and it's not something I really want to connect to yeah, in my life. That's fair. Over and over. I remember watching, I think we all watched it on Discord actually. We did. It was um, quite we an did. interesting conversation. I had read a lot about it before it came out and so yeah. that's why I had scheduled it because I knew it was going to be mm. something. And it was. It was. <laughs> the last one I'll talk about today is from 2011. It's a movie called We Need to Talk About Kevin. Um, psychological thriller drama. Tilda Swinton stars as the mother of Kevin, played uh, the older version of Kevin, played by Ezra Miller, struggling to come to terms with her psychopathic son and the horrors she has committed. It premiered in Cons in twenty thousand or at Cons in twenty eleven. Um, this movie, when I when people ask me what's a good movie to watch that accurately displays the the trajectory of psychopathy from birth to young adulthood, I think they're pretty accurate in this movie, just based on what we know about the development of it and how psychopathy is tech. It tends to be more of a genetic 
trait and a neurological problem than, you know, what we would see with like narcissism and things that are developed more through environment, which really, I think, is displayed in this film. Tilda Swinton, who's like this successful travel writer and married to her husband, who's played by John C. Riley. They have this child who from very early on is it almost appears like Damien from the Omen. I mean, he says, so they have three different ages, which is really incredible because all three of the actors from the toddler to the young child to Ezra Miller as a teenager are, it's really terrifying how well they play this role. It's well acted and well oh, cast. My sure. God. And to make a long story short, she, you know, starts to notice that he actually has manipulated his father and kind of uses his father to torment his mother. He feigns this affection with his father um, because he can pick up that his mom is noticing that he isn't normal. And he starts to do all of these things that are quite disturbing to watch. There's no comedic relief in this film. There's not one moment of relief. And all the way through the ending where she's just left in complete despair. And I think she plays this role. Everyone is so, even John C. Riley, who has a more passive role in this film, and he kind of plays this aloof wanting to really believe his son is good and not understanding why the mother is so put off. And, you know, is it, is it just postpartum stuff? It's like, no, he, this is the a budding psychopath and having to, to not be able to love your son and the guilt that comes with like hating him so much, but knowing he comes from you. Oh, brutal. Yeah, it is brutal. And I think it's a good recommendation for that, like you said, because it's very realistic. And as we know, Tilda is an excellent actress. So you can imagine how that feels to watch. And it's also shot really in a really interesting way. Like I recommend this movie in general because it's there's some fantasy elements to oh, it. Oh, that's right. There's some very ethereal. There's there's very much like get in his head there, and and so I don't want you to think it's sort of a normally shot movie. It it's got cinematic value as well. I guess is my point. So if you haven't seen it, again, this is another episode. This is another movie where we did an episode on it because it's just such a interesting movie and it's one of those movies where it's like let's study psychopathy in the culture and this one is on there for sure it's a good movie yeah but i can understand why you wouldn't want to see no. it ever again <laughs> shannon maybe sit through it one more time for an episode <laughs> i had to really brace my myself because I, I watched it alone the first time i watched it um, in my apartment and thinking oh my god why am i watching this and i was early on in my graduate studies and things because so it's like the description would make sense right yeah, it would it totally make sense, made sense. Like, oh, okay, but then i'm sitting there going like oh. this is too real this is too real it was very very accurate i always yeah. wondered like if they had psychologists like ourselves like they must have it was it, too it was, accurate or at least the writer and mm -hmm. then the director just yeah. went by what they wrote <laughs> yeah all right so you know the lightness continues let's do a little thing that we like to call Trash your facts with Kyle. All right, the answers. Number one, this 80s horror film, initially titled Shopping Center, was filmed here at the Sherman Oaks Galleria, which also 
where Fast Times at Ridgemont High was filmed. Yeah, lots of things are filmed there. It starred a young Barbara Crampton. <laughs> no. The movie is Chopping Mall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Number two, people in the accounting and legal department of this horror called classic dismiss it as, quote, being a complete failure that will die a quick death, end quote. The composer, John Massari, said, quote, well, you don't get it. There are people who will love this movie, end quote. A sequel has been in development for only three decades. <laughs> Um, Killer Clown? Yeah! Okay, yeah. <laughs> I thought I might know that one because I know that composer. Yeah, but, John, and then I thought, it's, I mean, Killer Clowns. I mean, on. John Masari was not wrong. Who people love this movie. People do love this movie, but I also can understand yeah. why people They're, were like, the legal department's just the signing the paper. We're going, Jesus Christ, what is my, what is my career come down what to? What the fuck yeah. awfulness is this? The accounting people are like, <laughs> we just lost all of our budget forever. Okay. <laughs> right. Number three, many actresses declined roles in this movie out of disgust. The film has served controversy with a dedicated fan base. I don't know this one. Human Centipede. Uh, uh, yeah. That was almost, that let's, was, let's that's not on my do list. A series. No, that's no. on my list though. Number four, in this movie, the plot centers on a <laughs> demon possessed bed that is passed on through generations, bringing tragedy upon those who come across it. I'm going to get, is this a newer or an older I think movie? it's older. Okay, because I'm thinking like, can we just call it like a possessed bed or? Well, it's it's called Deathbed. <laughs> there you go. Well, hold on. I'm not done. That's not the whole title. Okay. <laughs> it's called Deathbed, the bed that eats. <laughs> it's probably right in there with Killer Sofa. <laughs> okay, this last one. This last one is so ridiculous. The giant worm one, right? This plot revolves around a German hermit. We need to get specific around where he's from. I see. Who has the ability to communicate with worms. <laughs> After the mayor of the town runs him off his property, he plants worms in everybody's food as revenge. I'm just going to do it. These are a special breed of mutant worms. So when people eat them, they are transformed into giant worms themselves. Well, it's hard because I, I know this isn't the answer, but every time I think of giant worms, I think of tremors. Yeah, no. But I and I know that's not the title. Watch that movie. So. The title's in the description. Oh, okay. Giant it, wormness. The Worm Eaters, nineteen seventy seven. 70s movies oh my god lots of good trash in the 70s lots of trash with care <laughs> thank you for that and uh please let us know what movies you would never watch again because <laughs> you know maybe we would agree or we need to see them uh, this has been an episode of terror talk my name is shannon i'm kathy sleep save everybody